Hey, nice to have you here on a nice long weekend. Um, if I go five minutes o- over, is that okay? Because, you know, like, uh, like Lake Huron, I hear, is polluted, so you can't go to the beach today anyway, okay? So, <laughs> I know. Got to have an out, right? Got to have a note. Hey, we're talking about forgiveness. And I got to tell you, of all the, of all the topics that, that, that get thrown at me from a theological standpoint, forgiveness is a tough one. Okay? Forgiveness is a tough one. You know, as a, as a pastor, I get challenged, you know, all the time with the hurt of people and the hurt they experience and, and the whole topic of forgiveness. And there's one word that kind of swirls around when people get hurt, that, 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 that just seems to be an added edge to hurt. And, 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 and I hear the word a lot. And it's one of those words that, that you know, we hear from time to time. But, but it just sort of adds an additional sting to a hurt when people experience it. And that word is betrayal. When people feel betrayed. You know, I don't know how many times I've heard people say, oh. But I trusted them with whatever. I've trusted them with my kids. Um, that was only meant for them. They, they had no right to share that. You know, how, you know how, how dare they betray me in this particular way. I've heard, you know, I don't know how many times I've, I've heard that. And, and we, we know what it's like when we feel betrayed. They don't even know me. How could they say that about, you know, all, all of those things that happen when we feel that we've been betrayed. That's, that's, that's a hurt that almost seems to be unique in the world of hurt in the times of forgiveness. So, uh, you know, I thought, I've, I thought I've heard it so much. I thought we would look at a story that is, is essentially at the heart of it, a story about betrayal. Now, you can go to the commentators, you can go to the scholars, you can go, and we all like to theologize this particular passage. We all love to go to theology. And again, I teach theology, that's, what, that's my part-time living, so don't misunderstand me. Theology's good. But I think one of the things that gets missed in this passage when we totally go to the theology is the betrayal that happens in the background. And the way that Jesus deals with the betrayal. This is, this is, in my mind, one of the more powerful stories in the New Testament about forgiveness. Because it's, it's dealing with one of the worst hurts possible. Um, and it's dealing with a, a, a real character. You know, it's the Apostle Peter that's going to be the focus of this particular story. And if you want to know anything about the 12 disciples, Peter was a unique character. Okay, he had his moments. He had, you know, great highs and he had great lows, you know. But the wonderful thing is that there's a dramatic, you know, I may forget to mention this, but there is a dramatic turn in the person of Peter after this particular event. Jesus is masterful in dealing with the betrayal. And it's a beautiful story. And if you really want to get at the heart of forgiveness how to manage it, what to do about it. Because the reality is, as Jesus is talking to Peter, he doesn't let him off the hook. He really doesn't, even though at first you may think he does. So we're looking at the story after the resurrection. We're looking at a story at the end of the Gospel of John where the disciples, you know, uh, Jesus has, this, has, has you know, resurrected 
And he's appearing now to his disciples. You know, a number of them are on the boats fishing. And, and Jesus is making breakfast for them on the shore and is calling them to the shore. And after breakfast, he and Peter have a little bit of a conversation. And we get the privilege of hearing that conversation and what Jesus does to the Apostle Peter. And it's a, it's a beautiful story. And I'd like to read that section for you now with that background. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And the implication here is he's, he's talking to you know, all the disciples. Do you, do you love me more than them, more than these? Whatever it is. Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. A third time he asked him. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. In wrestling with this story, and it's, it, and it's, and it's enough to hear Jesus repeat the question three times. But what is really almost bothersome to me is what I don't hear Jesus do. You know, I would have totally expect. you know, here is Peter who denied Jesus three times before going to the cross. The same man who said, I will die for you, Jesus. There, you know, pulled out a sword to try to defend Jesus. You know, did all, you know, said all this stuff that I'm, you know, I'm, I, I will do whatever it takes, Jesus. I'm there for you. And when the moment came and when the situation arose and when the things happened and Peter said that he was going to be there for, three times he denied Jesus. In fact, even a little girl came up and said, don't I know you? And Peter started swearing at her and said, no, I'm not who you think I am. What I would have expected Jesus first and foremost to do at this moment is to sit down with Peter and said, what were you thinking? Do you know what you did to me? Can you imagine the pain I went through? You made all these promises to me and where were you? I, I, can, I can imagine a litany of you know, statements Jesus could have easily made and put Peter in his place. Could have easily have done that. I know that was what, what would have been probably my first response at the greatest moment of need at the greatest moment of the very things you promised of me it's at that moment that you decide to disappear what do you do with that that is betrayal you know on a horizontal level In one of the worst ways possible. And yet Jesus sits down with Peter. Who is probably thinking, I don't know what's next. I'm probably not going to amount to it. I just spent three years with the Messiah. 
And who knows what's going to happen with my... I have a good story to tell. The ending might not be great. <laughs> you know, I have good memories. I can tell the stories of great miracles and stuff that happened. But I think I'm done. And Jesus says, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's, let's talk about this. Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus asks him the question three times. Do you love me? I imagine for Peter, it would be very hard not to be living with a sense of guilt for what he had done. A sense of shame for what he had done. Jesus seems to wash that all away by saying, listen, but do you love me? Knowing what you know now, experiencing what we have experienced together, do you love me? And for Jesus, that seems to make all the difference when it comes to Peter. Yeah, you've made a mistake. Yeah, you know, I could, I, could, I could berate you from here till eternity. And trust me, I can do that. Okay? But what I want to know more than anything else is do you love me? And the answer from Peter repeated a number of times. But Jesus doesn't stop there with clarifying that particular win in Peter's life. He says, if you do, then let's not waste the experience. Let's not waste the hurt. Let's not waste what's happened. I want you to take what you've learned, take what you know, and do something positive with it. Feed the sheep. Feed the lambs. Feed the people that are going to need to hear this. And who better to hear it from than you? Who have gone from the very worst. And now, I, you know, I, it, this is a recall moment for Peter. You know? Where Jesus is recalling him back to something. Because if you, if, 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 if you don't remember, Jesus at one time said to Peter that he was going to help build the church of Jesus Christ. That he was going to be an important element of it. Peter had just forgotten that. Jesus has got bound up in a moment of fear and indecision that got him into trouble. And what was interesting about Jesus is Jesus wasn't going to allow those, that simple, oh, simple mistake. I almost said simple mistake. Oh, you know, that, that horrible mistake to define Peter for the rest of his life. Could have been very easy. How many of us, when we talk about Peter, right away think of him as the one who denied Jesus three times? But we forget who he became after that. That Peter, you know, tradition holds that Peter was crucified upside down because he refused to be crucified like Jesus was. Tradition holds that Peter would cry every time he heard a rooster crow. 
Tradition holds that Peter would get up every night at the hour that he denied Jesus and pray during that hour. That Peter was a totally changed man. That Jesus allowed Peter to see the sinfulness of himself and to come to terms with it. And to see Jesus for who he really was as the ultimate forgiver of even the worst sin imaginable of betrayal. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't imagine the deep compassion and love that Jesus would have had for Peter to let that happen. Jesus saw something in Peter. And it's a beautiful picture of forgiveness. It's not the way we operate in the world of forgiveness, to be honest. But to cleanse him from the sins of the past and to say, listen, if you love me, then you will change. Your life will change. You will make a contribution. You will you know, be the messenger that I need you to be about something greater. And, you know, um, uh, I've, I've, I've spent, I spent the privilege of walking classes through First and Second Peter, especially First Peter, and to look at you know Peter before the crucifixion and Peter after this particular event, and he's a totally changed person. The person who was you know flighty and 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 overzealous and you know indecisive and and this one moment becomes the solid advocate and this shepherd of the sheep exactly like this picture because he was a forgiven man a forgiven man a forgiven woman does something different does something better lives life with more hope a forgiven person is a changed person A forgiven person makes a difference. That's why the church of Jesus Christ are people who are difference makers. Because they're forgiven. And Peter demonstrated that. You know, because Peter saw first and foremost what he was capable of doing. He was capable of doing terrible sin before a holy and righteous God. You see, we live in a culture that just says all you do is make mistakes. God doesn't see you that way. God sees sin as real. God sees sin as, as you know, not just harmful, but deadly. But we just see ourselves as people who make mistakes. If you see yourself as simply as a person who makes mistakes, you will never have a need for God in your life, period. But if you see yourself in the moment like Peter saw himself confronted with the truth of Jesus, that he had done something horrible. And yet the difference was, do you love me? You can be forgiven for that. Now, I got I to I gotta tell you, forgiveness for us on a horizontal level is really hard. Very hard. Um, so I started wrestling through, you know, what, 
what's the what's 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 the, the popular culture stuff saying? You know, and, and getting back to Brené Brown's book on on rising strong, she uh, quotes Desmond Tutu, who's written probably the premier book on forgiveness, and he gives a four part outline on forgiveness that I want to kind of give us right here in this four part outline. Um, in his book, as quoted by Brenny Brown, he says, in order to be able to forgive someone, this is what you have to do. You have to be able to tell the story. You can't hide from it. You can't run from it. You got to be able to tell the story. Here it is what it is. You need to own it. You need to own that story. You need to be able to say, this is what happened to me. This is, this is the horrible thing that, that exists in my life. You've got to own that story. Secondly, you've got to name the hurt. What is it specifically that the person owes you? What is it that, that has hurt you so deeply? And what is it that you have, to, you have to own and say it? Number three is grant forgiveness. Give that forgiveness away. Be able to forgive. And, and, and when the question comes up, which invariably comes up, do I forgive? Does it mean I have to forget? Well, According, according to this research, no, you don't. What, what you can do is you can choose to renew the relationship in whatever boundaries you want, or you can release it altogether. I think that's really powerful. You can renew however you want to renew it, but then you can release it totally if you want. And then that way, that's, that's, that's the four-step to forgiveness that was given She goes on to quote him and and, and says this, To forgive is not just to be altruistic. It is the best form of self-interest. It is also the process that does not exclude hatred and anger. These emotions are all part of being human. You should never hate yourself for hating others who do terrible things. Wow. The depth of your love is shown by your anger. However, when I talk of forgiveness, I mean the belief that you can come out the other side a better person, a better person than the one being consumed by anger and hatred. Remaining in that state locks you in a state of victimhood, making you almost dependent on the perpetrator. If you can find it in yourself to forgive, then you are no longer chained to the perpetrator. You can move on and you can even help the perpetrator become a better person person too wow that's that's tough that is very hard for many of us to get to so forgiveness is not forgetting or walking away from accountability or condoning a hurtful act it's the process of taking back and healing our lives so we can truly live forgiveness uh, Rick Warren in Purpose Driven Life, he wrote this, Forgiveness must be immediate whether or not a person asks for it. Trust must be rebuilt over time. Trust requ- requires a track record. If someone hurts you repeatedly, you are commanded by God to forgive them instantly, but you are not expected to trust them immediately. And you are not expected to continue allowing them to hurt you. Don't we get the two confused all the time? Don't we get the two confused all the time? Forgetting and forgiving? 
That's the difficulty, right? Um, here's, here's what I want to remind you of. Here's, here's what I want to remind you of. I think forgiveness is one of the most powerful divine acts of God that happens in our lives. I think if there's ever a time in our lives where the Spirit of God becomes active and makes us Christ-like, it is in the moment where we choose to forgive. Because personally, forgiveness on a human level is very hard to do. I think that's one of the enablements that the Spirit of God gives us is to be able to forgive in a way that only God can. That is why forgiveness in the Bible is kind of a blanket statement and it doesn't qualify what deserves forgiveness or... You, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's one of those... Because let, let's, let's face it, when it comes to forgiveness, there's a continuum in your life. Can we, just, can we just talk about this really honestly for a minute? Okay? There are some, there are some things that you forgive on this side... That are very easy to forgive. It's just, it's a small thing. It doesn't really grab you more. You know, it's so easy to say, yeah, I forgive you. I know that was a mistake. I know you didn't mean it. And you're just okay with it. It's just so easy to do. But on the other side of the continuum, there's, there's things that happen in your life. That happen to your children. That happen, you know, to happen to the people you love. And it just tears your heart out. And you look at it and it's absolute evil. And you go, why? Why would you do that? And forgiveness, when it's on this end of the continuum, becomes more about healing yourself than letting them off. And that's where the enablement of the Spirit of God becomes the most necessary in your life. Because that's not easy to forgive. It's not easy to claim sometimes. And I've watched people struggle in this area because the Bible knows there's something that God knows about us that we need to live lives of forgiveness. Because if we don't, if we don't cleanse ourselves, if we don't forgive others, what we do is we become hurt people that hurt people. And redemption and hope and, you know, the, the fellowship of humanity, the strengthening of one another, all, like all those things that we need to be as human beings in a community of faith gets destroyed because hurt people hurt people people and a lot of times if you're a believer here this morning you've hurt another person because you have forgotten what you have been forgiven of and our lives are a posture of forgiveness ultimate forgiveness from the creator of the universe in order that we can go out and be forgivers of others that's what it's called to be an agent of reconciliation. I'm not saying you continue to get yourself hurt. I'm not saying that you continue to have any, you know. We have enough toxicity in this world, humanly speaking. Because we live, you know, you know, said this before, we live in a culture of label and lash. If I label you as something, I can lash out at you. 
That's the world we live in. But the heart of the community of Christ followers is one that is characterized by forgiveness. Trust me, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's very hard. But there's something that Christ knows about you. There's something that Christ knew about Peter when he confronted him and said, guess what? If you do love me, then things are going to change. Ask yourself, what do you love? Who do you love? And how can you change the world by being an agent of forgiveness? Maybe it's time to just let it go. Maybe it's time to just put it behind you. Maybe it's time that you, like Christ, forgive. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that at the heart of the gospel message is this thing about forgiveness. Imagine where we would be if we were just performers in life, if we were just acting out of our good intention, hoping that you would take notice of us, hoping that we would be right before you, hoping that all our good deeds would outweigh our bad stuff and and you would kind of be okay with that. But what would that do, really? But thank you, Lord, that you get to the core of each and every one of us, at the very heart of who we are. That you reach down into the deepest, darkest parts of ourselves. And not only said, but you did. And we're able to even redeem that through the forgiveness of your son, Jesus, by dying on the cross. I can't imagine a greater love. Can't imagine a greater truth. It shocks me that people reject that. And yet, in my own life, and for those who have been followers of you for a long time, it's what gives us hope. It's what buoys us as we live in this world. And we just see the toxicity, and we just see the pain, and we just see how hurt people continue to hurt people. Lord, thank you for the forgiveness that is ours through Jesus Christ, our Lord. May we continue to live lives of reconciliation with one another and demonstrate the heart of Jesus in a community of faith. In his name we ask it. Amen.